Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Before we get into things today, I would like to first say a huge congrats to Her Royal Highness Princess Eugenie and Mr. Jack Brooksbank on the safe arrival of their son. The palace and Princess Eugenie on social media announced that the little one was safely brought into this world on Tuesday, and I'm glad that not only the royal baby, but the princess and all parties involved are safe and healthy, especially as Europe is facing multiple new strains of COVID. I'm glad everybody is safe, and my well wishes and all those here at the British Royal Fanatic Podcast wish them well. Continuing in our series about royal residences, this episode we head over to a world famous and possibly my personal favorite royal residence, Windsor Castle. This Goliath of a residence has been the center of it all. In some ways, the heart of the monarchy. It's been a part of war. It's helped in times of war. It's been renovated constantly by all sovereigns. It's changed significantly over the years, but it's been one of the constants that's always been there. Parts of the castle date back to the 11th century, making it close to 1,000 years old. With a pedigree like that, it makes it not only the oldest, but also the largest still functioning castle in all of Europe. Now today, we see it as one of the centers of the crown functions. We see state dinners there, we see official visits happening there, Uh, the queen will meet with ministers and other official people there, and of course, we can tour it. Now it is known that Windsor Castle is the favorite residence of the Queen and she's made it her home during the COVID pandemic. She has not been in London since the outbreak. Now rumor has it Prince Charles will make it the center of everything and move things out of Buckingham Palace when he assumes the throne, but we don't know how much water that actually holds. Now rumors and gossip aside, how did Windsor get to be Well, Windsor. Stay tuned, everyone. We have a lot of history to cover. My sources today come from a few helpful articles from ancient.eu or Ancient History Encyclopedia and mymodernmet.com. When you first look at Windsor Castle, it is imposing, it's intimidating, it's beautiful. But when you look at it from above, it's sort of in a weird rectangle shape, kind of. I use that term 
termed loosely. It's done in this beautiful gothic style, and the castle has been added to, modified, renovated, expanded many times over the centuries. Each monarch has put their mark on Windsor, but it still maintains its original plan of a courtyard either side of a central circular tower. It has an upper ward, which houses the private apartments and areas where the royal family work and live, and the lower ward, which houses St. George's Chapel, the tombs and crypts of the respected members of the royal family, and other areas, as well as uh, a public entrance. While it now is this massive estate, it didn't always start that way. Now come back with me as we turn back time 1,000 years. Windsor Castle is located in the center of the town Windsor in Berkshire County, which is about 20 miles west of London. The location of the present-day castle 1,000 years ago was chosen for its proximity to the River Thames and to guard the western approach to London. The castle was first built for military purpose as a moat in Bailey Castle by William the Conqueror. William the Conqueror saw the importance of London as a central city, and he had 20, around 25 castles in a circle around London that were about a day's trip away. Back in this medieval period to protect London. So it didn't, it was never thought of to be this glamorous castle. It was used to defend. And at this time, there was still a war over the Saxon kings. So that's what Windsor Castle's first purpose was. This military castle to defend London. The castle was first built using earth and wood to create a raised hill on top of a steep natural chalk slope of about 100 feet that was protected by an outer ditch. Windsor Castle was designed with two baileys, a lower one and an upper one on either side of a moat that had a makeshift tower on it. It was mainly a defense structure used for war, wasn't really thought much of, but the Norman kings didn't reside at Windsor Castle until Henry I when a celebration was held there in 1110. And from there, the renovations begin. The wooden tower on top of the moat was rebuilt in stone by Henry II in, se- in 1170, thus creating a shell keep which would then become known as the Round Tower, which the Round Tower is what divides the upper ward and the lower ward. Henry II also built private apartments and public and ceremonial spaces such as the Great Hall in the Lower Ward, and Henry II began converting the curtain wall into a very thick stone wall, which would then be completed by Henry III, who added uh, three other semicircular towers onto this curtain wall, including the Curfew Tower, which we can still see on the Lower Ward. Now, as we enter into the 13th century, war breaks out again. We're in the medieval times, war was quite common back then, and thus Windsor Castle would get used as a war fortress again. During the First Barons' War of 1215 to 1217, there was a siege upon the castle by forces loyal to Prince Louis of France, 
who would then go on to be the future King Louis IX. Those that supported Prince Louis of France wanted to enthrone him as a replacement for King John after he reneged on his promises signed in the Magna Carta. Everybody was upset about it, and ultimately the siege was unsuccessful, but it lasted two months. And during that time, the only castles to remain in the king's hand uh, were Dover Castle and Windsor. Now, shortly thereafter, the castle was sieged upon again, but that was unsuccessful. One thing that helped is renovations and repairs made by Henry III. He redid the curtain wall in stone, but that stone wall was very impressive, 24 feet thick, and it was there to help withstand advancements in warfare technology. The castle was also equipped with tunnels, which permitted the defenders of the castle to be to leave unseen and then surprise attackers from behind. Henry III also rebuilt the lower ward. He added a bigger chapel. He renovated the royal apartments in the upper ward and began to make the castle feel more comfortable after all this fighting. And as the fighting ceased, as we as we leave the 13th century, there was a great tournament held there in 1278, and it was very successful in its time. And another even bigger medieval tournament was held there in 1344. At that time, it involved around 200 knights. So now, as we leave the 13th century, we've left a pretty big time of war with the 11th century and the 12th century and Windsor Castle being a defensive structure. And now as we enter the 14th century, it begins to become a more comfortable home rather than this Spartan defensive castle. In the 14th century, there was a extensive and expensive building and remodeling project overseen by King Edward III. The round tower, that central tower, was rebuilt. The large double-towered gatehouse that we know as the Norman Gateway was added to the upper ward, and the castle was generally made more of a royal residence. He built it in this gothic style. The upper ward was remodeled around three courts, while the lower ward was given extra accommodation for members of the new king's chivalric order, the Order of the Garter. Lastly, the chapel was renovated and it was renamed St. George's Chapel. This whole project cost in the medieval times, late medieval times, early renaissance, it cost around 50,000 pounds, which in today's money puts it at a little over $70 million US. This hefty price tag would be the most any monarch would spend on it in the late medieval and early Renaissance period. As we transition into the Renaissance, a lot of monarchs will begin to make their mark on the castle. They will expand it a little bit, add a renovation here, but they were minor, but there were some bigger ones. King Henry VIII added a tennis court to the grounds. His daughter, Mary I, used the stone remnants of a different abbey to add to the castle's lower ward to expand it. And most importantly, during the reign of Elizabeth I, the castle became really important for diplomatic relations and a lot of work was done out of Windsor Castle. However, while the castle's growing and expanding, the land that the castle was built on was not owned by the royals. William the Conqueror first built the castle on rented land from a few Norman nobles, but finally 
1546, the crown would finally buy the land by the lease, and the castle and the land would be in the hands of royals, not just the castle. However, not all is hunky-dory, and not all is happy. Because the castle became royal property, this was just one of the many things that would be that would be points of contingence that would lead to the English Civil War and with the overthrowing of the monarchy. Windsor became the big center and pivotal place within all of this. The royalists and the parliamentarians met in battle in 1642, which began the English Civil War. The parliamentary forces held London, and they also took control of Windsor Castle. Now, the authoritarian ambitions of King Charles I really led to this big public outcry and disapproval and led to the English Civil War in the mid-17th century. Now, with the parliamentarians sieging Windsor Castle, they invaded valuables were destroyed and stolen army the army was quartered in the castle the king himself was a prisoner there and charles i was the first and only british monarch to be put on trial by his subjects now of course he was later convicted and executed and buried at saint george's chapel but the damage had already been done to Windsor Castle. It had been sieged, it had been destroyed. They tried to make it the center of everything, again, during the the short period when they tried to build a republic. But upon the restoration of the monarchy in 1660, the exiled heir Charles II returned to England He came to Windsor Castle, and it was destroyed. It was in very, very bad shape. Parts of the land had been sold off. Valuables were taken, destroyed, and just... Above all, it hadn't been used properly, so he had to do a massive restoration work in the middle 17th century to to the end of the 17th century. He set out new plans to restore the residence in an opulent Baroque style that was very popular at the time. The English architect Hugh May created the lavish state rooms for the king, and he also created the five kilometer or 2.5 mile walk that leads up to the castle and provides a magnificent view of the castle, which still stands today and is a place where tourists can walk and actually enter the castle through. Let's do a quick review. I've thrown a lot of information out at you. Windsor Castle was first set up as a military and defense fortress by William the Conqueror as he was trying to fight and battle with the Saxon kings. And really, things didn't start to get moving at Windsor Castle until 1110 when a celebration was held there. As time progressed, through the 12th and 13th centuries with lots of war all the reinforcements and improvements there helped it stand as it was a very big military fortress we enter into the 14th century and a little bit into the 15th century with lots of renovations updates making it transition from a military residence into an actual royal residence in the 16th century There was a dispute over the lease, as the castle, while being royal, was being built on leased land. Crown bought the lease, owned the property, but then, as time progressed into the 17th century and the English Civil War, war broke out, and Windsor Castle was one of the casualties that had to have a lot of help in order to get back on its feet with the restoration of the monarchy in 1660. As we progress into the 18th century, things begin to slow down a little bit. Renovations aren't happening as often, but 
In the 18th century, some of the apartments in more public areas begin to be opened up to the public for the first time. There is a guidebook from 1749 that we have that shows heirs of the castle can be viewed by the public. In the 19th century, the castle was restored a lot by King George III. He most notably created the Garter Throne Room, and he did a big restoration of St. George's Chapel. But a lot of interior renovations and updates were done by George IV. He increased the height of the round tower by one story. He rebuilt a lot of private apartments in this neo-Gothic style. He added to the castle's now main entrance, which is called the George IV Gate. And a lot of the interiors from Carlton House that were unused in Buckingham Palace went to Windsor Castle. Some of the more opulent interiors used for state functions in the official state rooms are these rooms from Carlton House. A lot of these big renovations were largely completed by 1835, and the castle pretty much resembled how we see it today, at least from the outside. The gardens may have changed a little bit, but the actual structure of it resembled a lot of what we can recognize today. Queen Victoria, during her reign, spent more time at the castle than any of her other residences. <laughs> In fact, actually, her popular nickname was the Widow of Windsor after Prince Albert died. This is what's kind of funny, at least to me, but not in a comical way, just in a ironic way. Queen Victoria met Prince Albert at Windsor Castle in 1839, and Prince Albert died at Windsor Castle in 1861. Their relationship started, and in some ways their relationship ended at Windsor. One thing that is kind of interesting is the room that Prince Albert died in was sealed during the remainder of Queen Victoria's life. I haven't been able to find when they reopened the room. I believe it's like the blue room, I believe it's what it was called. But after his death and burial in the mausoleum on the property of, of Windsor, the room was sealed. Now, at this point... As we leave the 18th century, we leave the 19th century, we enter into the 20th century, the castle looks like what we know today. The, st the structure of it all. But the role of Windsor is still here. During the First World War, when the German lineage of the British royal family was being thought of and the German lineage was being played down, as we've already talked about in a previous episode, the house of the royal family was changed to Windsor. And as you guessed, it was named after the castle, because Windsor Castle has been this stable constant throughout the monarchy. Now, a few years later, King Edward VIII made his famous abdication speech from Windsor, and he was then given the dukedom of Windsor, and his new wife, Wallace, was made his duchess. Now, while they were both buried at Windsor Castle in the royal tombs, one thing I find interesting is the former king was known as His Royal Highness the Duke of Windsor. But Wallace Simpson was denied the HRH style. She was referred to as Her Grace the Duchess of Windsor, not Her Royal Highness. But she's buried at Windsor alongside her husband. The castle survived World War I and the abdication with ease, but World War II, things got a little precarious. Now, the castle survived bombings in the Second World War and the royal family saw the writing on the wall and they did a lot to protect the castle and a lot of the valuables held therein. Valuables were removed or hidden, windows were blackened, 
Um, the much of the artwork was removed for safekeeping and kept in an air raid shelter that was added to the basement of the Brunswick Tower on the property. And the biggest thing is the then Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret were taken to Windsor to be safe. And most notably, the then Princess Elizabeth, now Queen Elizabeth, made her famous speech talking to the children of the country during this time of war for reassurance. The crown jewels and a lot of valuables were kept at Windsor, hidden away. Um, most notably, the Black Prince Ruby was buried on castle on the castle grounds in a biscuit tin. They were trying to play down and hide a lot of valuables at Windsor because it's this imposing fortress. While King George VI and Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother stayed in London at Buckingham Palace. There are some stories that point that at night or when they wanted to see their kids, they would stay at Buckingham Palace during the day, but go to Windsor at night to be with their kids. But Windsor Castle survived World War II safe and sound. And after the war, it endured pretty nicely. It had survived a thousand, almost a thousand years of peril and war um, and up and down. But we need to talk about 1992, or as the Queen calls it, her Annus Horribilis. So on November 20th, 1992, tragedy struck Windsor Castle when a fire began in the private chapel on the pal- on the castle grounds. The fire raged for around 15 hours and spread to the northeast corner of the upper ward, gutting the grand reception room and St. George's Hall. St. George's Hall is most notably used for state banquets, and not only they were held there, but they still are held there in the restored St. George's Hall. Now, fortunately, at the time, the most damaged rooms were empty because they were undergoing rewiring. So a lot of furniture and art and valuables were already removed. But there were some pieces of art and furniture from the period that did end up getting lost. But there was one positive in this fire, if you can think about that. One of the bright spots was that there was a discovery of a two-story kitchen from the 14th century. In all the renovations and everything, this two-story kitchen was hidden. And in this fire and in the restoring, they were able to locate it and restore this kitchen with its huge fireplaces and intricate ceiling work. They thought it could have been a later addition, but nope, they dated and they found that it was from the 14th century. Now, extensive repairs and restorations were carried out through the palace and in the areas, of course, smoke damage, restoring art, and all the renovations and repairs to the burned area were completed in 1997. After this, the restorations were complete. This pretty much takes us to modern day. You can tour Windsor Castle during the summer season, or you can try to book night tours. Among the things you can see there during the tour, you can see state rooms, semi-state rooms. You can tour some of the additions there. You can tour the grounds. There's an extravagant custom-made dollhouse for Queen Mary that is very detailed. They are tiny little royal services, books that you can actually read, tiny bottles of champagne, and there are a lot of treasures at Windsor Castle that are part of the Royal Collection Trust that are on display. Windsor Castle has been a very personal favorite for for the royals, not only with Queen Victoria and the current queen, Queen Elizabeth, but a lot of royals really seem to love Windsor 
It's close enough to London, but far enough away to where they can still maintain a little bit of privacy. Windsor Castle is actually a very popular place for the royal family to have weddings. Most recently, we've had the wedding of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, the wedding of Princess Eugenie and Mr. Jack Brooksbank, but also the Earl and Countess of Wessex had their wedding there in the late 90s, and many, many more. The palace grounds also hosts yearly the Order of the Garter, also known as Garter Day, where the Order meets at Windsor Castle, and it's a very big ceremony. But of course, it hasn't happened because we are in a COVID space. Now, with the pictures that I've seen and documentaries that I've watched of Windsor Castle, I can understand why it is the favorite of the Queen. She spent a lot of time with her family there when she was a kid. And she survived World War II there, so I can very much understand why it's her favorite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Windsor Castle may not be the center of the work of the monarchy, but it is certainly the heart of the monarchy. Royal residences have come and gone, changed, destroyed, but Windsor has stood the test of time. It survived a thousand years of war, whether being a part of it or being a place of refuge for war. It's seen pretty much every single monarch in English history. It's survived revolution, war, renovations, and it is open to the public for certain times of the year. I personally cannot wait to walk through the halls that are available to me to walk around when I can travel to England once this pandemic has <laughs> has ceased. But there you have it, a very short and as comprehensive as I could get history of Windsor Castle. What residence are we going to go to next? Tune in next Thursday to figure out is it going to be Balmoral? Is it going to be Sandringham? Is it going to be Kensington Palace? Tune in to find out. Thank you for stopping by and spending time with me and us here at the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. If you enjoy me and the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. Rate and review as well. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know so I can improve this podcast for all of you. If you have any questions, concerns, want to let me know how I'm doing, or would like to share about certain t- topics you'd like me to delve into, you can email me at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. I also have joined the Twitter world at Fanatic underscore Royal on Twitter. There I post updates and try to engage with all of you as best I can. Be sure to subscribe, share, rate, review. Let me know how I'm doing, especially as our British Royal fanatic family grows and as always thank you for stopping by have a great day and i'll see you in the next one